Hello and welcome to the Rennick Centre podcast for 2021. My name is Trudy Smith and I'm the Manager of Continuing Professional Education at the RRDBC Rennick Centre. We have such a treat for you. We're going to start with a series of three lectures. Really excited about this content. We're doing a real focus this year in 2021 on lived experiences of people with disability, both from the people with disability people who are associated with them closely, whether that be family members or therapists and looking at teams. So I just can't think of a better way to start this series. And so I'm so delighted to have Gia Quek with us today to talk about her her background and, and her scenario. So Gia, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience? Hello, everyone. Um, thank you, Trudy, for the invitation. Um, my name is Gia. I am uh, a mom. First of all, I have three boys. Um, and my eldest, Christopher, is hearing impaired. Um, he has a cochlear implant for the past um, 20 over years now. Um, and uh, we lived in Indonesia for a long time. Um, I am originally from the Philippines um, and my husband is Singaporean, but we moved to Indonesia because of work. And um, yes, so living there as a, an expat with my family, um, with Christopher who had um, challenges then. <laughs> which is quite hard living in a country where, um, you know, uh, services were quite difficult to come by. Yeah. Sure. And Gia, I understand that, that you've got an additional diagnosis that's just happened with Christopher as well. Um, actually, um, I, I want to clarify that one. Um, I... We, we lived in, in, in the US after finding out that Christopher, sorry, I have to go back. Um, of course. Christopher, Christopher lost his hearing uh, when we were living in Indonesia. And so because there were no services there, um, we moved to the US just to um, get, you know, the, the proper services that we, we can avail of. Um, and also because my family lived there, so we were thinking, okay, we'll have family support there. Um, but at that time, Christopher had a hearing aid um, because they thought he had um, a moderate to severe hearing loss. And then because he wasn't responding to intervention, to therapy or to anybody, um, the the speech therapies that we were working with in the US suggested that we get a, um, an assessment done by a psychologist. Um, and so um, we went to see a psychologist and um, Chris, uh, the psychologist was giving instructions to Christopher to do certain things. And so she wasn't mindful that when she was giving instructions um, that she was using a pen and she was tracing something back and forth and then drawing a line because I think the ultimate goal was to draw a line from one point to another point. Um, but um, with Christopher, he's very visual. He was very visual and he's still very visual. So he copied everything. And so um, 
when the psychologist interpreted the assessment, she said that Christopher had repetitive um, behaviors like the pen going back and forth and that he wasn't listening and he wasn't responding to anything. Um, and at that time, Christopher was two and a half. So he has, he always carries with him a toy. Um, and so that was interpreted as, you know, very rigid, um, a rigid behavior. And um, yes, so she said that Christopher was autistic. And, um, and so I thought, okay, yes, um, I had very little knowledge about autism and hearing impairment and a combination of those two, how would that play out? Um, but uh, now that I have more information and I've learned more, um, I don't think that my son was ever autistic because he's very social. Um, and, and so, yes, it was just a misdiagnosis that he was autistic. Sure, but that must have added so much extra stress for your family. Oh, yes, because um, my husband was living in Indonesia and I was living um, in the US. And then to go um, to the special school where he was, I had to drive 65 miles one way um, with him and his younger brother who was a year younger. So it was, it was stressful. <laughs> must have been. And through all of this, you decided to become a speech therapist. Tell us more about that. Well, um, so the special school that we went to after one year decided that Christopher was very difficult to work with. And therefore they said they didn't want him, they didn't want him back in that school. Um, and then, so we decided Oh, no, they recommended a school for the deaf in LA. But when we were in LA, uh, when we went to that school, because we were thinking of having um, Christopher get an implant, they weren't open to children having implants. So they were saying, maybe he can come. Um, and also um, that school that they were recommending was a signing school. And the previous school that we went to was an oral school. Um, I think because of our family circumstances, we wanted Christopher to be oral because one, um, American Sign Language isn't universal. Um, and, if, and, and my husband's job takes us around um, different places. And um, we want his world to be wider. Um, and therefore, if we're confined to sign language, it would just be me um, or the immediate family who would be his um, community. Asian partners. Yep. Yes. Um, and so that's the reason why we wanted him to be um, oral, but uh, everyone was saying, no, he can't be oral. He's not able to be oral. So everyone was saying, no, 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 no. And then we went to another school in the US um, that was very famous for, uh, you know, teaching children to be oral. Um, and so I said, okay, let's try that school. And again, they said, after assessing him, they said, no, it was too much work. So I told myself, 
well, if all of you rejected my son, I'm going to prove to everyone that he can talk. <laughs> so that's... Classic tiger mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So that's how, you know, um, my journey um, started um, as a speech therapist. I was a pseudo speech therapist for Christopher until I studied um, in, here in New Zealand and became a speech therapist. Did, did you find that there was alignment between what you'd been doing instinctively as a parent, just as you were saying, just, you know, haphazardly supporting Christopher compared to what you then learned? Was there a, a match between what you knew as a mum compared to what you know as a professional? Yes, there are a lot of uh, um, similarities, uh, but I guess with a professional um, angle, there was, more of the consciousness and awareness that yes I'm doing this because this uh, whereas as a parent you do it instinctively um, and you don't as a therapist you know you count okay um, how many times did you do it yes okay then we can move on to the next but uh, because um, I wanted him you know I wanted him to show the world that he's able to do so many things. So I was just pushing him, pushing him. Like, yeah. I've always believed that part of our role, any early interventionist who's working with families, our job is to tell the parents why what they're doing is so effective. Yes. You know, it's almost that you're already doing this and it's fantastic. This is why it's so good. Yeah. It's almost, it's, we're just adding that piece, aren't we? It's that you're doing it, what you're doing is fantastic, but this is the why. Yes, but I didn't get that when I was, um, when, when Christopher was younger, because um, like I said, in the US when we lived, um, everyone was just rejecting us. No, you can't, he cannot be this, he cannot be that. He'll end up, you know, just signing. He won't be able to talk. He won't be able to go to school. He won't reach high school. He won't, you know, do anything. He won't be somebody. Um, and then because of that, my family and I decided, okay, let's go back to Indonesia. And of course, in Indonesia, it was more uh, difficult because there were no speech therapists, um, English speech therapists. There were speech therapists in Indonesia, but they were Indonesians. And um, of course, I'm not Indonesian. I'm not fluent in that language. And um, I cannot you know, deal with a, a speech therapist speaking their language. Um, and then, um, Andrew, who was Christopher's speech therapist, lived in Indonesia. So that's how we, you know, um, we traveled to, to Singapore and then got some homework and then uh, did a few things with uh, Christopher. But because um, Christopher had additional needs as well. So it's just not a hearing loss. Um, he has um, a learning disability. So... Um, it wasn't straightforward. Um, so it was like really a struggle to find the right thing that clicked with him. So ABT didn't work for him. Um, and it took us like three years before um, he actually said something. Um, and it was, the, it was the literacy part that um, helped him with his um, his speech and language. Um, although I had techniques from, from Andrew, um, I just added those techniques with the literacy. And then um, that's how we got him to actually 
learn how to speak. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I mean, you've, your story is amazing. Just the fact that you were so prepared to move and you believed in what you wanted for your son. You had a plan for him and a life that you had had mapped for him. It must have been incredibly frustrating sometimes to have people say, no, you, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> how, did you, how did you maintain the faith? How did you know that what you wanted for Christopher and, and hoped for him, how did, you, how did you stay faithful to that? How did you remain strong? He's my inspiration. <laughs> I mean, how, how could you not? <laughs> you know, I just believed in him that um, I, I actually felt it in my gut that something was going to happen. It was going to be something else. So I just kept going on and on and on. And I, I, I remember um, when Christopher was younger and I was trying so many things. And then my husband would say, why are you trying this? And why are you trying that? And why are you trying that? And like I said, yeah, I tried this, but it didn't work. You know, I gave it a fair amount of time to try to do something. And then I said, I want to do this. And then he says, we're just spending so much money, like you training here and training there. Uh, but in the end, you know, it's a combination of everything, I guess. Yeah, and a huge amount of love and, and support and commitment to your son. And our next podcast next week, we're actually going to meet Christopher and we're so excited about that to hear his version of it too. But Fadaki, this has been, it's been so interesting to hear and, and a good reminder, I think, for parents that if you believe in this and you know what you want for your children, persist. Believe, mm-hmm. hold that dream, do what it takes. And I think it's, it's, it's been so interesting to hear about your journey. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me.